You're listening to Optimize et al., a technology podcast powered by Naviate. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this podcast. My name is Bitul Jabot, and joining me today is James Bell from Ridge. Hi, James. Hi there. Thank you very much for joining me on this podcast, where we're going to be talking about something that you presented recently uh, at the Nordic BIM Summit. So uh, the topic for today's podcast is database and database management, etc. There's a lot going on with databases at the moment. But first of all, tell us, what is a database? Um, so, so in my view, just kind of working from a, a basic Google of the, you know, the dictionary sense of this. So a, a structured set of data held in the computer, um, accessible in various ways. So as a yeah, very broad, um, all encompassing term, I suppose. Do you know, James, I actually put this through chat GPT. Okay. And the answer that I got out of it was. A database is an organized collection of data. Okay, so it's used the word data in here. Uh, that is structured and stored in a systematic manner, exactly what you've just said, to facilitate efficient data storage. So there's actually a lot happening in that first part of the, the, the paragraph there. We've got, you know, a collection of data. First of all, we need to get hold of that data. What is that data? How are we going to place that data in a way that is, um, that's understandable, I suppose? and the retrieval and management of that data, which is what we're going to be talking about today. Um, It also goes on to say it is designed to manage large amounts of information and provide quick access to specific data when needed. So this is the the gem really, isn't it, that we're going to be talking about throughout the podcast together. Yeah, and I guess that's, well, what it gets to there seems like that's the... um... An idea uh, that's a an ideal or a, a database that works well, isn't it? You don't you wouldn't want <laughs> absolutely one that's inefficient. But I'm sure there are some. Yes, absolutely. I think definitely. <laughs> um, I think uh, I, I think that's a good way to to kind of start looking at understanding what a database is and and digesting that. But how is it that you um, you've come involved with databases, James? I guess for myself, it was. Um, that's kind of my view on uh, the software we use, we we use in architectural design. So um, whether or not everyone sees it as this, but to me, Revit itself is just quite simply a database. Um, it was not many that. people see that that way. They just see it as oh, it's this design process. They d- they don't think about the background work. They don't think about the the database. Yeah, I'm not sure. Um, and it's it's certainly a discussion that I would I'd want to have more around, even just in our office, because to me that was kind of the eye opening moment where you kind of think, uh, kind of on my journey anyway, of kind of learning Revit. Early days, you start off with thinking, I'm not sure that's possible. Absolutely, um, can, I had exactly the, the same really journey. That. Yeah. Until you get to the point where it's actually well, we've got all of this data; it's all in there somewhere. Just how do we access it and how do we use it? Um, so that really, that was kind of the eye-opening moment where I was like, Revit is simply a database tool. As long as someone has input the data, we can output it. We can choose the output format. And potentially anything's possible with it. 
It's funny that you, you mentioned that because I had a similar journey at the start. So I would probably say the first maybe six to nine months of me using Revit had the same kind of mentality of, oh, no, Revit can't do that. No, Revit can't do that. But then when you realize that you can actually work with it and and like you say, it's a database. Once you put in the data that you need, you'll start to churn out the designs and, and, and things that you need, the configurations that you need. Okay, so... Um, with regards to um, data database, then is this something that we uh, kind of um, do very quickly? Is it something that's generated very quickly that we work with, or is it something that's it's there in everything that we do? Yeah, I think I, I think I feel like it's there in in everything we do, and as almost on the on the journey of a project, it's it's a developing. A developing database, I suppose. Um, so, very, you know, from the early RIBA stages where you're collecting the client requirements, it's that's that's the start of the journey, and all the way through to um, you know, stage four construction information, detailed detailed design. It's kind of where you're getting towards the um, the refinement of that information before it's built, hopefully. Yeah, 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 absolutely. So um, let's talk a bit more then about your journey with databases and what you've done at work. Um, so I know that you've looked at leveraging a database in design. Um, tell us a bit more about that and, and that journey or that case study that you've, you've been through. Yeah, certainly. So yeah, the, and that, and the, the case study and the journey of that case study was very much um, the discussion point and the presentation that I went through at the at the Nordic BIM summit, um, and yeah, it was very much about um, a new new project in the door. Um, the main driver to get us to sort of think differently and challenge us was actually one of the client requirements or the client deliverables of a, um, a, a an equipment and um, space date um, schedule. So uh, yeah, an accommodation schedule and equipment equipment database, and from from the requirement of that deliverable, we kind of asked ourselves what, how can we use this to facilitate more efficient design, essentially. Where okay, did that drive come from? Did that oh, can we use it as an opportunity? So the drive came from within rather than a client driven. Yes, device. yeah, I'd say so. Yeah, it was the client the client was simply saying we we require this output of a an equipment database so they wanted that that was that was their requirement it then it was internally where we asked ourselves can we utilize this in a better way um and that question didn't wasn't necessarily myself um, um and that's one thing i do like about you know always with you know collaborative design working with working with others um, you know, people just chucking out ideas. They're saying, "Is this possible?" And then others look at the the question another way, like, "Yeah, let's give it a go. See if we can." See that if we can that's a good team, though, it. isn't it? Yeah, it's a good team. You know, we challenge each other to to kind of work smarter in the way that we're delivering and in the way that we can produce things, even for our clients. If even if it wasn't. Um, you know, even if it wasn't a requirement, is kind of looking beyond that. So, what was some of the challenges, maybe, that you might have experienced along the way as as you were trying to kind of 
work with the databases and, and, and manage the databases, if you like. Yeah, I mean, so certainly, I mean, uh, on that that case study, in, um, as an example, when the project landed and the question was asked, can we do this? It was certainly yes, but in the position where we were as a business, we we were certainly modeling, for example, pieces of equipment and um, volumes spatially at an early stage, but not necessarily in a, in a, in a smart way. So for instance, if we had a, an accommodation schedule, for example, from a client, we, we know they want a certain number of spaces of a certain size. We'd maybe model it in SketchUp or, um, a massing element in Revit. Um, but it wouldn't be connected to the data in any way. It would simply be a standalone piece of modeling. Yeah, that part of the jigsaw, I suppose, was missing at that stage, isn't it? You wanted yeah. to somehow tie that database in with that. So what so, happened next, James? So, yeah, we kind of knew that the database from, well, the we knew that the equipment list would be developing alongside our design. We knew that the schedule accommodation would be developing alongside our design. And this is an early um sort of stage one design um so we knew we would need some well we knew we'd either be completely remodeling each time we got a new set of data to work with or we work smarter and we find a set of families that we can create that each time the database updates it can update the the families at the same time so that was then what led us to essentially the creation of a, a very basic set of Revit families that, uh, you know, a, a simple square or cube even that, that represents a piece of equipment or uh, a room. And yeah, through basic XYZ geometry, pulling that in from a database along with any other parameters that we want to add to it. For instance, for, um, piece of equipment, power, um, compressed air, any of these kind of MEP requirements. Not only could we drive the geometry, but we can update all of the um, the MEP requirements on those bits so, of equipment. So with regards to the geometry here then, are we talking about a simpler level of detail, you know, a, a, a lower level of detail, but much more level of information within those, those objects? So you have your simple blocks, which then can can make the software run run a bit faster because you're not so detailed on that right yeah exactly that's, that's what it's all about at the early stage early stages of design keeping it nimble and agile uh, we want the files to be as quick uh, and easy to use so that people can move blocks around test ideas um, um, and not get too bogged down in the um, in in the detail as such yeah. yeah at that early stage a room could compress and be longer um and and that was also a key part in in the kind of the families that we created so we created one for a piece of equipment and another one for rooms and the the key element to the rooms was that the the area always stayed the same but you could push and pull it so that the room might get more rectilinear or you could push it back to being a square but the overall area stayed the same yeah. Um, to kind of yeah, facilitate the the key requirements of each of each space. Mm -hmm. 
So the, the, the idea from concept design stage with some data within there, would you say that placing in that data at that stage is kind of a bit of a risky game because you don't know it's still a concept design stage, even though we can utilize these elements later on, or these families that are created in, in Revit terminology, even though we can take those later on and utilize them and, and extract that data, was there not kind of this fear you know you might have this voice in your head to say oh this data you're putting in now you're wasting your time it's not going to come in you know it's not going to be handy did you ever or did anyone in the team ever think like that yeah I, I can and I can totally appreciate that because that is it's it's almost the the ongoing concern with um BIM as a design tool and um yeah putting in too much too much detail too soon and then uh, a design change comes around and you've lost um, lost loads of you know wasted time effectively mm -hmm. um, so I think that was I think that was what was was key to keeping these as kind of yeah gen generic generic families but the I suppose the parameters that were applied to those families um being yeah trying trying to map out that that kind of foresight so that those parameters can be applied to future spaces in the model so seeing it as yeah can we can we transfer the uh from one you know the parameters from one block to uh to what will form part of the the bim model later on Mm -hmm. And this kind of takes us back, isn't it, to the definition of the start is that accessibility. Um, you know, we, yes, we put in the, the data. Yes, we put in the information. Um, but then it's the accessibility later on. And, you know, it, how how did you kind of make sure that everything was going to be kind of nice and clean and clear? Did you did you have, you know, a, a 500 page document at the start of your project that specified this is how we're going to name everything? This is the names of the parameters, etc.? We probably should have done. <laughs> <laughs> Lessons learned for next time. Yeah, five hundred no, pages, really. <laughs> definitely. Mm -hmm. um, no, this was very much, and sometimes this is this is often the way. Even on a even on a live project, they are sometimes still the test bed for for new ways of working. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, certainly, um, if we 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 should have had um a rigorous naming strategy and um and bits and pieces like that we didn't in we didn't in this circumstances and there was a lot of finding our way with it um even down to the the parameters we were using you know we started off with um project parameters later on we thought we're probably going to need um extra you know um other consultants in the design team to be able to use these parameters, so we'd swap them out for shared parameters, and bits and pieces like that. So it was a lot of finding our way with it, to be honest. Yeah. Um, trial, trial, trial and improvement. Trial and improvement. I like that. There was no negativity in that sentence at all. Brilliant. Um, so, so with with um, kind of looking at what you want and what you're trying to get out of it, and, and for future lessons. Um, is that project now completed? Has has it been completed? Yeah. And yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah, the yeah, in terms of timescale, that project came about actually in the uh at the start of COVID in twenty when was that now? Twenty twenty. 
So, and it's, yeah, it's built on site now. Built on site, perfect. And in terms of uh, looking at that data and the facilities management of that, has that helped the 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 client, the the one who's using the the building at the moment? Has that helped them in terms of facilities management? It's an interesting one, actually. That I'd, I'd perhaps like to revisit. Um, I was only uh, personally involved in the project very early on, um, and it was actually a project that was um, delivered abroad. Um, so our, our involvement was actually handed over, um, following a stage three design. Yeah. Um, so whilst I'm aware that others have, um, continued involvement to some degree at post that, um, yeah, it's certainly a, that, that would be a next step for me, I think to, to, yeah, to understand how the, like you say, the facilities management has gleaned any, um, ongoing benefits from our design yeah maybe it could be a joint visit who knows maybe we can go in and check out to see the facilities ourselves as well so yeah no that's that's brilliant thank you very much james um for talking to us about the journey uh that you've had with uh, databases on this particular project and you know how we can kind of uh look to see and and investigate you know and, and kind of look to see and investigate the way that we should really approach projects and keep that open mind. I think the open mind that you had here is actually not restricted you on the project. You know, you kind of put that that voice to the to the side to say, no, we will add those parameters in. Yes, they will benefit us later on. If you'd like to find out more on what James Bell has to say, then join us in the next episode of this series. Thank you for listening to Optimize Etel, a technology podcast powered by Naviate.